Welcome to Beat a Dead Source, your home for billionaires. My name's Nathan, your most not billionaire host. My name is Andy, your most been getting food from co-ops and food banks and stuff for the last week host. And I'm Pat. I'm your least fiscally responsible host. <laughs> well, uh, we're talking about billionaires this uh, week, guys, but you know how we start out. Let's go ahead. And uh, how's everybody's week been? Uh, how's everybody been dealing with? I think you, Pat, you're still working, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. So I still, cool. I'm, I'm considered an essential worker. I mean, the the scary part about that is that you know I'm probably an ideal carrier, but nonetheless, you know what I do is important enough, and I am still getting a paycheck. So for what that's I've worth, always, I've always said you're an ideal package carrier yes that too <laughs> just a perfect specimen here yep well that's good but you, you don't have like you do interact with uh, like individuals but you're, you're not ever interacting with like big groups of people all at the same time um no not really and i'm not like making out with them or like uh you know i've been kind of trying to keep my distance where possible so you know really i'm not like breathing heavily or uh like going up and like you know getting people's air or getting people right. coughing on me so are, and, and so far i've managed how are you at not touching people. your face i'm i'm literally touching my face right now i'm I am the worst at that as well yeah <laughs> but at work actually i'm trained pretty well because my hands get really dirty just from like dust and dirt and mm-hmm. so like i'm used to like Okay, well, if I'm going to plan to take a break and eat, I'm going to wash my hands first. You know, I'm aware that my hands, because they're visibly dirty, I'm also mentally aware that they are dirty and treat them accordingly. I'm so, just, I mean, for better or worse. Can I just ask, like, from a <laughs> from like a curiosity standpoint, when you eat, do you like roll up into Wendy's or whatever, and with your big ass truck and like try and find spaces, or like where? What do you end up doing? Do you like pack your lunch, or what do you do? Yeah, so, I mean, there are a lot of places that, like, you know, the parking lot, I can fit into, like, a space and a half. So if I can find, like, two spaces, or if it's just a parking lot that it's, like, uh, you know, imagine a gas station. And right. the parking spaces, there's nothing that's, like, limiting them on the long end. So mm-hmm. I can just stick out and be, like, the length of, like, about two cars or two and a half, or one and a half cars. And, uh, I can just pull in there and, you know, uh, I mean, I'm not particularly proud of this, but, uh, I do eat a lot of to-go food, um, like gas station food, sheets food, um, stuff like that. I I am, I'm a big fan of sheets. Yeah. I mean, sheets is really like the higher end of quality food. If you're talking about something that's going to be ready in like, you know, less than five minutes. Um, and there, giant there, eagles. Stuff, I, yeah, for those of you who may not, because I don't think Sheets is in like every part of the world, obviously, or even in every part of the country. We're talking but, about gas station food, people. Gas right. station food. But Sheets, so I love Sheets because it's open 24 hours, and after I've like dropped off my last passenger at like 3 or 4 in the morning, I can roll in and get something. They always seem to have fresh ingredients. You can like customize what you want. They don't have, like, the biggest menu in the world, but, I mean, it's always good food, and it's always, like, made in a well-lit, clean place. And for me, yeah. like, at that time... Well, I wouldn't care uh, if it was made in a deep fryer. 
well, a lot of their food is in a deep fryer, but like you can yeah, get right. sandwiches or Yum. salads or whatever. The other thing that is like incredibly important to me at that time of night is if I can find a clean, open bathroom, um, <laughs> that's wonderful. So I'm a big fan, and I think I think it is a significant step up from your like McDonald's, Taco Bell, Wendy's. That uh, you know, not not that there's anything inherently wrong with that, but I think it's a higher quality food. I think I think they even beat Subway. Really, Subway has kind of gone downhill. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. They definitely beat Subway. And the thing is, I can get a, like, a foot long if I'm not, if I don't want cheese on it for like $4. Like, yeah. if I'm willing to, like, get, like, turkey and vegetables and bread, you can get a foot long for $4. It's ridiculous. Yeah, the price, the price is very reasonable. So did, so anyway, have you guys had a good week? You uh, quarantine and stuff? Yeah, I'm just staying home. You guys you have may... been out of work? Question mark? Yeah. yeah. I'm choosing to stay home. Like, it's interesting because presumably we're all getting like $1,200 coming our way relatively soon. Well, and unemployment was expanded to hopefully include gig workers like Uber drivers. So hopefully yeah. there will be a way for you to access that. Can we get clear about something? Even if they were just writing a check from whatever source, you know, from just free, fresh printed cash off the, from the Fed. It would have already been our money anyway, the money we've paid in taxes for our lives. Like, right. it, it was already our money. I I don't like taxes very much. Yeah, oh, me no. neither. I mean, I think nobody does. Well, I think there's like, anyway. oh, I have to pay taxes, and then there's... This is inherently a scam... Well, I shouldn't say inherently. The degree to which we're taxed and the things that our taxes are used for make our tax system a scam on the American people. Yeah, uh, guys, this is, this is not that episode. So anyway. <laughs> well, no, I think it is related because you know what? This is the problem is one of the things that we're talking about basically is how expensive it is to be poor. And then the flip side of that is how cheap it is to be rich. Yep. And uh, that's something we can talk about after we finish talking about how your week was. Man, my week sucks. I hear, I hear you've been going to food co-ops. Yeah, that doesn't feel good, man. Um, you get more than, like, apples, potatoes, and oranges? <laughs> yeah, so I got milk, bananas, blueberries. Uh, I think there was something else from one. Um, we went today to this pizza restaurant in... Bainbridge? Okay. No. Much further away. I can't remember. South of, uh, Strongsville. <laughs> it was out there. This, this, um, pizza restaurant was basically giving out a, a free pizza to people in the service industry who are out of work. So, Caitlin being exactly that, we uh, went, uh. But was it worth it to, like, drive all that way for a free pizza? So, well, it was because we had some other things to do in Parma. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And I can tell, like, who are listening to this not in Ohio love all the local yeah. references that we're making. Like, well, guys, uh, you really need to hit Schweibel's. That's not long, a real place. Right. That place. Long story short, I'm on the east side. That's far west side. It was, it's about 45 minutes away from my house, but we were already in Parma, which is on the south of Cleveland, which is, was about 15 minutes from the pizza place. Yeah. yeah. So it worked out. Sure. And it's for a pizza? Yeah. Well, and so we got there and, 
you know, the, the thing says, hey, there's, you know, there's only a hundred, so first come, first serve, and, um, there's, you know, a sort of a line forming. We got there about 20 minutes early, um, but there was already a pretty hefty line, and we still did so, get one, and in fact... I ask, how were, were people being respectful of six feet? Like, were people trying to, like, stand oh, people, in that line? Wait people were in their cars. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah, nobody got out of their car. Man, that's cool. Drive it's been up really great. Yeah. Um, so... At any rate, um, long story short, we got a free pizza and it was fantastic. That's awesome. And so we also, little, well, it just so happens that the, the pizza shop is in the same little plaza as a donut shop. And so we also got a box of six donuts for free. That's wow. So it was I mean, really great. Like I am super, super impressed with what a lot of, with, with what local companies and even a lot of big companies, and certainly not all. And I'm sure we'll get into that in a little bit. But a lot of big companies even have done to help their employees, help people just in the industry. Oh, yeah. Um, there's been a whole ton of, of communal support. Can more be done? Yeah, for sure. But I think, it, it, I, it I think personally, and I hope other people feel this way as well, uh, the companies that I choose to support in the future will be affected by how they've treated their employees and other people during this time. There's a book about that and I need to look it up. Everybody poops. <laughs> well, um, I think right. I think you're all a bunch of commies for giving away <laughs> free stuff. Everything, uh, like, we feel like we're eating all the time in my house, but I've been trying to, like, make good food. I did a, a slow cook, like, salsa chicken the other night with homemade refried black beans. Um, we use like this spicy salsa. I made a cucumber and pineapple salsa to go with it. That was really awesome. I don't know. It was really, it was really good. We've been doing some quesadillas, um, uh, beef stew yesterday. Sarah made homemade, uh, cinnamon buns. Like, we've been doing, we've been doing pretty good on food. Sounds delicious. Do, do you want to maybe like, uh, share some recipes <laughs> at some point? Like, uh, like, I don't know, okay. however, on our social media or yeah, somewhere can, that people can get like, you know, the Nate recipes. I don't know how you guys, like, I don't know how much you guys pay attention to this, but we have what I've been calling a doobly-doo, which I stole from somebody on YouTube that I'll go ahead and like give them credit for later. Mini fact check. At the risk of making you guys think that I might be a huge nerd, the YouTube star is Matthew Colville. M-A-T-T-H. Well, you know how to spell Matthew. Colville is C-O-L-V-I-L-L-E. He is a um, dungeon master who teaches people how to be better dungeon masters. So if you like D&D, if you like to run a game and you want to be way better at it, go check out Matthew Colville on YouTube. I'll put a link in the doobly-doo. Thanks, Matt. Mini fact check. But we have show notes. So anytime you want a, a link thrown in for a video or something like that, but instead mm. I just put the links in there. So uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and link uh, these, um, at least the cinnamon rolls, because it's, it's so good. Awesome. But yeah, a lot of the stuff that I do is more like off the cuff. I do a lot of like improvisation in uh, cooking, but you can't do that in baking. Baking is science. Uh, cooking is an art. Well, I mean, I'm kind of a meat and potatoes guy, and if you want to get into the meat and potatoes of this episode, a be be Yeah, so, uh, like we talked about, we, like, I think we tend to be pretty, 
unified in a lot of stuff we talk about. But I know that one thing that you guys oh, and I, like, I think most of the is, are, we've only ever talked about how much Donald Trump sucks. <laughs> we are definitely unified on that. Yeah. But one thing that I know we have disagreements on, and I think this episode is going to be fun because of it, is billionaires. And I want to like, I want to make sure I frame this the right way, so that way we're all sort of talking about the same question and everything like that. And I know, like, it is likely to me that we will get heated, <laughs> like at some point. So nah. we're we're all gonna we're all gonna be fine. We're all friends here. We're gonna be fine after the episode is over and everything. And the fact that Pat is a secret billionaire doesn't have anything to do with his with his opinions. Right, right. And even if I was, I mean, why would my opinion change because of the amount of money in my pocket? Like that's silly. <laughs> all right. So I I've written a little introduction here, um, and I'm gonna try and follow it roughly. But there's a, a few things I want to set up so that way we're not talking about them. Like there's certain facts that we agree on and like there's an introduction. So this introduction is my opinion and uh, we'll move on from there. But first of all, I want to concede a couple of things. I think billionaires can be okay people. I think they can love their dog. I think they can call their mom. I think they can hang out with their friends. I think they can like Elizabeth Warren. I also concede that much of my problem with billionaires is a problem with our corrupt system that lets them become billionaires in the first place and not necessarily the people themselves. That's not true of everybody. And I would say it's definitely more true of people who are have $1 billion as opposed to people who have $150 billion, for example. I also want to say, and I want you both to hear me, that what I want is I there's there's two things. So there's what I think is minimally acceptable, and I think we're more or less on the same page with those and we'll get to that in a little bit and then there's my like highest aspirations of how i think billionaires should be treated so i don't expect so i'm going to be talking about my highest aspirations but i'm not a crazy person i like i know that there are compromises to be made on this stuff i also was thinking i i'm not necessarily talking about businesses because i think that's a different conversation to have i'm talking about individuals who are billionaires but I know those two things are intrinsically linked. I mean, generally, you literally cannot become a billionaire unless you are also a business. So. Right. All right. So those that's my that's my setup. OK. Um, do, do you want to talk a little bit about the scale of a billion? Like how many is a billion? It's a thousand million or a thousand thousand thousand. People have a conceptual problem wrapping their heads around the size and scope of a billion. There was that good, there was a good example of like a million seconds is this many days and a billion yeah. seconds is a different length of time. You, I think it was something you know like what? three you're, and a half days or like <laughs> several months. Your timing is perfect because I have uh, three different examples I'm going to give to people. I think they all sort of accomplish the same thing more or less, but that that's exactly what I want to cover because most people, like you said, it's impossible to conceptualize what a billion is. So my standard way of framing it is normally uh, it takes about a day to count to 100,000. In fact, uh, there's a YouTuber that I like, especially his stuff recently called Mr. Beast. And when he was starting out, one of his videos was basically a 24-hour video where he counted to 100,000. So wow. it takes about a day to count to 100,000. 
So that means to count to a million, it would take about 10 days. And I should be clear, that's 10 days without eating or sleeping or pooping or any of that stuff. It's just pure counting. And then if you want to count to yeah. one billion... You can count while you poop. Fair um, enough. Hey, speak for yourself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway. do either of you want to go ahead... Do uh, uh, This is always fun. Do either of you want to take a guess of how long it would take to count to a billion? If a million is uh, 10 days, how long is a billion? No calculators. Well, it would be 10,000 days. So that's uh, what, it. three and a half years. No, 300 days in a year, 350 days in a year. So three years is about 1,000 days. So it would be about Man, 30 good. Hey, the recording gets a little bit garbled here because I was trying to talk over Andy, but he gets 30 years, which is pretty darn close, which is why he's... Andrew, the, the Mad Magician. Magician. Yeah, there you go. 27.38 years. Wow. So that's also, if you wanted to break it down into something a little more attainable, uh, that's about 6,040 hour work weeks. So if you just wanted to have that be your job, it would take you 6,000 work weeks to do it. Um, I mean, okay. If you want to get paid for it, I'll do it. <laughs> Second one, I think, no, you wouldn't, I can't imagine, you, would you take that job? Would you count would. all day, every day? As long as I get to stop to eat, because obviously, otherwise, I would die long before I finished. <laughs> do, you, do you get a drink? Do, do you get a dollar for every number you count? Like, yeah, sign me up. I would, I would you know do what? that. I mean, that's a pretty I'm good. Not, hour I could have figured that out. Yes. I, I would second do second cents for every dollar for every number I count. Undercut Pat gets a job. <laughs> if you if you wanted to earn one billion dollars, you could break it down by dollars per hour. So let's say you worked some obs- for some obscene amount of money, let's say $2,000 an hour, and you worked full-time, 40 hours a week, 52 weeks a year. You could have started working your full-time $2,000 an hour job when they signed the Declaration of Independence in 1776, and you still wouldn't have made $1 billion yet today. Is that So that's 40 hours a week? 40 hours a week, 52 weeks a year. Okay. There was an example, I don't know if you have this handy, I don't. There's an example out there that I've seen, that something along the lines of, if you went back to, like, like 10,000 years ago and, like, somehow started a bank or something and, like, deposited a dollar and just let it grow interest, right. you still wouldn't have a billion dollars or something like that. A billion dollars is a lot. This is the last example I'm going to give, and I think it's the best one. It was written by a Redditor who has since deleted their account, so I'm not sure what their name is. They definitely do not like billionaires. I cut out a lot of their disliking billionaires, but there might be a little bit of it left in here. But if people only understood just how obscenely rich these monsters were, that's the beginning of this thing. Oh, I'm glad go- you censored it for us. Thank you. Uh, if people only understood, I don't think it's right for me to censor somebody else's words, you know? Uh, if people only understood just how obscenely rich these monsters were, they wouldn't be able to show their face in society while millions suffer. I would like to use the analogy of a staircase, with each step on the staircase representing $100,000 of net worth. That's several years of working wages saved up for tens of millions of Americans. Half of the people in the United States are on the base or the very first step, almost 200 million people who can't even get one step up in the system. Those households at the 80th percentile, richer than four-fifths of Americans, are on the fifth step, 
That's about five seconds of walking to get up there. Those with more money than 90% of fellow Americans, millionaires, who we consider are upper middle class, professional class, and live more than comfortably, are on the 11th step. A few more seconds of walking up from that previous middle class step. Most Americans won't even come close to accumulating this much over an entire lifetime of working. A billionaire is 10,000 steps up the staircase. That's enough to walk up five Empire State buildings. That's almost three hours of walking nonstop. Do you think they care about the petty squabbles of anyone on those first few steps or so? From those heights, they couldn't tell the difference even if they wanted to. And yet those who have maybe ascended or were born in the first few dozen steps think they identify with this group as a class. And Jeff Bezos, he's so high up, it only makes sense to describe his staircase in distance. His stairs take him up 133 miles. That's more than halfway up to the space station. That's more than 24 consecutive Mount Everests stacked on top of each other. It would take walking nonstop, no sleep, over two weeks to ascend that high, each single step worth more than five poverty-level families in America combined. So, I am sufficiently convinced that a billion dollars is a lot of money. Absolutely. But I think those three, those three uh, say it in a different way. And I think that idea of the difference between a millionaire being like a few seconds of walking and, and Jeff Bezos being two weeks of walking up 133 miles without stopping gives a pretty good like idea for people. So I think no, I, I appreciate have... I appreciate those examples. Those are good illustrative examples. Yeah. This so, we're dealing with orders of magnitude that we do not really generally can understand in a daily day-to-day sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we can't really have this conversation uh without all of us being on the same page and hopefully like our listeners like understanding that stuff too. It's if like, I it's so you, wild to me. If I ask you right now to in your mind, I want you to imagine what it would look like uh like a million marbles versus a billion marbles. And no, I can't you, like I can't. I can't. You I don't just, have the you don't have the tools. Like you just are not equipped to imagine that difference. Maybe, like maybe trying, some people can, but it's most like trying can. to count the stars in the sky. You know, like it's like I don't. I my brain isn't equipped for that. And and to that point, that's actually why we so often just use the word million or billion rather than that many zeros. Right. Yeah. That's a lot of zeros to say. Or or it, I nine. Place value. zeros for a billion and stars for a million. So the next thing I was going to talk about, and I think after I finish this section or like jump in whatever you want, but what I want to talk about is how do you become a billionaire? If you could have been working at $2,000 an hour since the Declaration of Independence was signed and still not be a billionaire today, what could you do to potentially do that? Because I, I think that's that... a little disingenuous because a person who's working two thousand dollars an hour to assume that they are not going to reinvest that money or like make any ca- sort of capital gains since seventeen seventy six. I understand that the two hundred and forty three year old is not <laughs> is not <laughs> exactly how normal 243-year-olds would handle their finances. I think, I think, I think the, the, the point stands that, so if that you're it's a lot of money. $2,000 every day, or whatever. 2000 an hour. 
Right, two dollars an hour times whatever. So call it, I don't know, ten thousand dollars a day or some shit. Short and, and and that's also you're getting twenty twenty dollars instead of seventeen seventy six dollars. We're not doing an inflation calculation or anything. Correct. Can we just say that a billion is a lot and not argue about? Yeah, sure. Yeah, we're the, we're done. Yeah. We're done with the so, example. We're just going to say a billion's a lot. Right. A billion is a super super lot. So tell us, Nathan, how does one become well, a billionaire? So I I know that we all like Robert Reich here, and he has his thing about. <laughs> he has his thing about there are four different ways to become a billionaire. Uh, number one. Uh, well, he specifically said there's four different ways to become a billionaire, and none of them involve free market capitalism. So number one is to exploit a monopoly. So we're talking about, for example, Jeff Bezos uh, with the Amazon. They handle about 50% of e-commerce sales as of early last year. And uh, most of the time uh, that they've been in business, I think 25 years that they were in business, they had a policy that they forbid suppliers from selling their products cheaper to anyone other than Amazon. So if you wanted to sell, uh, like undersell any to anybody else, you couldn't sell at Amazon, which meant that you were cut out of 50% of the online sales. The sort of subtopic from that is copyrights and trademarks. So you're talking about your Oprah Winfrey's or your George Lucas's, things like that. People who have created like these massive entertainment empires. Uh, copyrights have been extended. Copyrights have been extended way before their originally uh, intended uh, length. In the past few decades, and this allows entertainers to exploit these laws for their own personal benefit. So this is one of those things where I was talking about how I don't think everybody, like not every billionaire is cut from the same cloth. I don't think that Oprah's a bad person. I don't think that Jerry Seinfeld is or whoever, you know, like J.K. Rowling. They've created these things. But the thing is, they're taking advantage of a inherently broken system to become a billionaire. Number two uh, is to get insider trading info. Uh, people getting info that the public is unable to get and using that information uh, to invest. This is clearly illegal, but even when these people are caught and fined, the fine is a drop in the bucket compared to what they've been able to make using the information. Number three is through paying off politicians. For example, uh, the Koch brothers, I guess Koch brother now since David Koch died last year, yeah. Yeah. for example, spent $20 million lobbying before Republicans to get Trump's tax breaks passed. That $20 million saved them about $1 to $1.14 billion per year, plus estate taxes and plus overseas taxes as well. And the last one is to inherit it. So about 60% of wealth in the U.S. today comes from inheritance passed down through the family. The terrible, awful estate law or death tax that conservatives complain about all the time affects about 0.2% that's 0.2%, two-tenths of a percent of estates ever having to pay anything. That means if you've inherited a large amount of money that's more than a generation or two old, chances are that money comes from forced African slavery or at least the exploitation of poor black workers and, you know, just regular poor workers as well. So those are the four ways you become a billionaire. Any, well, are we on the same page with those? I want to point out, first of all, that um, if you already have 20 million dollars to pay off politicians you're probably well on your way already to being a billionaire because right. that's already 20 million dollars but i mean yeah i mean i pretty much accept most of the sentiment that's there well but I, so, something about the estate tax that i do i do take chagrin with is 
when somebody has died, why does the government have a right to that money that's already been taxed anyway? That money was taxed when you earned it. That money was taxed when you paid your property taxes every year. Why why is the unique opportunity of someone dying is that an opportunity that the government gets something? Like that that already seems like a little dirty to me. Well, I mean, I would say like I'm not really here to like defend the death tax, but I will say I think probably a lot of the pushback that maybe and I don't want to put words in your mouth, Andy, but that maybe both of you will have to a lot of this stuff is that that feeling of like uh, personal freedoms, I think, are very important for both of you. Yeah, absolutely. You got me. And I think so. And I think that'll come in into play a lot during these conversations we're having. I think it will. I even have. All right. So I have to push back against some of this because, you know, if you would, please, can you reread the first point? Um, Exploiting a monopoly. Yeah. So, you know, it's already perhaps if these four um, ways of becoming a billionaire were maybe like constructed in a less venomous way like exploiting among it's not it, it's the business it's, it's the job of a person trying to start a business and run a business to try to find ways to make more money and and to exploit monopolies as you say it's so, the government's so, job to stop that it's right. and and so well, those, I, people, again, those like, people have a bunch of money and then they pay off politicians which is how we have uh, the awful anti-monopoly laws or non- anti-monopoly laws that we have now can, can i just jump in though like a lot of those people that you're talking about are innovators that created an entirely new market that didn't even exist before like i want to point out in particular facebook facebook isn't a monopoly because of uh anti-competitive practices or laws facebook is a quote-unquote monopoly because they were innovative, because they had the best, they had the best gig in town, and everybody wanted a piece same of it. Same goes for Bill Gates. Right. And same goes right. for. I mean, he's dead now, but uh, what's his name? The Steve Jobs and Apple. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. So, so, so I, I want to say but that. But I would like, say, if, if I can just say real quick, I think uh, Friendster and MySpace would take umbrage with what you said about Facebook. But I totally get your point. No and, one's and Microsoft and Microsoft stole the coding from the early Macs for how they started the early uh, Windows PCs. But go ahead. So so do we want a society where people are not rewarded for innovation or where, like, we're going to come after them with pitchforks for having a unique idea? I think what you're going to do is you're going to stifle new ideas. I, I think we want to reward appropriately people that are having big ideas that propel society forward, that change the game. Amazon changed the game, like, absolutely. Did sure. they have some some degree of anti-competitive practices that might have been, uh, you know, better regulated by a different government system? Sure. But, I mean, they also changed the way that we buy things. Like so- can I ask real quick? Because I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying here. I think, I mean, 
I shop at Amazon. I have a Microsoft computer. You know, like I like there's not really ways that you can get around this stuff, which is kind of the problem. Does, does that not make I'm you not, a hypocrite? I'm not advocating for taking these people's money away. Like uh, what I and I think this is one of the areas where I think we agree uh, that I kind of like to talk about relatively early on in the episode. I think we all agree that these people should be paying paying their fair share in taxes and they're not doing so now. And are we like all on the same page there? I think that sounds pretty reasonable to me. Yeah, I don't want to put I don't want to put words in Andy's mouth, but I'm on board with that. Yeah, and I think probably what maybe what we think that like phrase like that that phrase fair share is probably super loaded depending on like who you are, right? Yeah. But but I think we can all like we can get behind like billionaires are not paying their way right now. And they probably should. It it would help a lot of so stuff. I'm so I generally kind of agree with that sentiment, but I want to challenge you on that as well. So okay. the society that we have right now, most of the tax money is already being paid by the very people that you're talking about. When you talk about, um, you know, our military budget, our uh, social spending. When you talk about all of these things that the government spends money on, infrastructure, uh, grants, science, everything that, everything that's in the federal budget, almost all of that money is coming from the very people that you are talking about right now. So, so when you, when you say that they're not paying, when you say that they're not paying their fair share, that is from a certain perspective. That is from a certain point of view. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to dig into this a little bit in a second, but we can agree that Amazon as a company paying zero dollars in taxes is not their fair share. Well, I don't know their tech. I don't have their tax return in front of me. And I, you know, I, but obviously I, mean, I can go ahead and do a fact check, but assuming. I, Assuming they paid zero dollars in taxes, which they definitely did. Here's what I all agree that's not enough. Fact check, fact check, fact check. And welcome back to Fact Check. Not so fast there, Nathan. I was actually wrong. Amazon did, in fact, pay some taxes in 2019. They had not paid taxes in either 2017 or 2018, where they paid zero which is not a whole lot. However, in 2019, they paid a total of $162 million in taxes. That's 1.2% of their $13.9 billion pre-tax income. So, I'm going to go ahead and say still not enough. But that's just me. Anyway, that's been Fact Check. Let's get back to the show. Fact Check, Fact Check, Fact Check. I, here's what I will say is that zero dollars in taxes for anyone that makes above, you know, a certain, the, the basic poverty threshold is not as much as they should be paying. And I think that, and in fact, actually, if I could for a second, because I actually, I actually kind of prepared for this, this talking sure. point, uh, and I have a whole little thing written. So, yeah. um, so yeah, all right. You say, you're saying, they should be, we should, we should make sure that they pay their fair share, right? And that right. their fair share is, uh, I assume this is where you're, the next step for that is that their fair share is probably a larger percentage of their income than a working class or, or, or I, think, 
I didn't actually I didn't actually have that second part, but we can certainly go there if you want. I what I can tell you is the the next step for you, but it's just what I had kind of ready anyway, right? So, all right, hundred percent agree. Couldn't agree more. Everyone, every American should pay their fair share. And of course, as you pointed out, what you know, what is termed fair is a separate or maybe just a deeper discussion, not a separate one. But but I 100 percent agree a progressive tax without loopholes is crucial to operating a modern government in a modern economy. So some of those loopholes are kind of hard to bottle up, especially when it comes to offshore holdings and accounts and things like that. There's been talk, um, especially from from Elizabeth Warren, about a uh, wealth tax. Um, the issue is that only makes the problem of the offshore accounts worse. Um, and, and Bernie also, too, just that clear. point. What? Bernie, Bernie and Elizabeth. Oh, okay. Um, but to Pat's point, it also de-incentivizes uh, innovation and entrepreneurship. So that's not great. It's a half. And it's also a terrible solution, but it's not a great solution. So then. Think about right. Um, we want to make sure that we that the economy is grown. Grown. A growing economy helps everyone. I'm not. This is not trickle down economics. This is just economics. You. There's two ways for everybody to get a, a bigger piece of the pie. One is by cutting a, a larger wedge, a wider wedge. The other is by making the pie bigger. Um. So that's economics. Right. One. If, um, if twenty if twenty six if twenty six people own half no if twenty six people own the same amount of pie that the bottom fifty percent of people own, that that doesn't work out. Okay, that's fine. So expanding economies, right? Keeping the economy expanding also opens up niche markets and new opportunities for innovation. To Pat's point, with Amazon, where or Facebook, where they came in and dominated. Um, because it's a better business model. So when the economy is contracting, for instance, right now, new businesses are not opening up. Um, so you have to keep, you have to keep the economy running. And, and large part of that is, is making sure that the money or people are earning money kind of based on what they're contributing, right? So what I would say is I, I, I actually, and with on the death tax thing, inheritance taxes, I think, are a way better way to cycle stagnant money back into the economy because it also supports merit-based wealth, right? Mm -hmm. Where you can, you don't just get rich because your parents were, you actually have to, you have to do something to earn that money. Don't you want a legacy that is going to last beyond your beyond your life wouldn't you like to make sure that your kids and your kids kids are well taken care of i mean this is kind of a tangent but right no. but how well taken care of them that's you the know, thing like, i think it, i mean this know. is this is always going to be the sticking point in all these arguments um and i don't want to like get into it right now but does taking care of mean that you can buy a country or that you don't have to worry about like rent you know, like, it's, it's clearly somewhere in there, like somewhere in between there. Well, I would I would like the government to not be the one who tells me, like, OK, that's enough. You don't you yeah. don't get any more. So but but I don't want to be we need to have that conversation. I think we need to have that conversation. And every time I try and have that conversation, I get called a communist. Well, maybe so, there's something you should examine about yourself then. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> nah, nah, dog. <laughs> 
Uh, what I can tell you, so there's a few things I want to push back on there. Um, first of all, uh, according to Oxfam.org, which is a, a, a organization that deals with global poverty, uh, about four cents in every dollar of tax revenue comes from taxes on wealth. So that's four cents coming from the super wealthy. Uh, that's, that's not great. That's not them paying their fair share. Um, that slice of the pie that I was talking about, the 26 people, uh, uh, owe, they have the same slice of pie as 4.6 billion people. The top 1% have the same slice as 6.9 billion people. That does not sound. World, worldwide. We're, we're talking about. Worldwide. Well, we, we, we want to be focused mostly on policies that are directed domestically in America. But this is not, it's not a, it's not a U.S. problem. It's, it's a global problem. And we can go ahead and like have most of our conversation on that. But it's, well, it's real bad. It's real I, bad. I, I, think, also, I think maybe it's a little bit beside the point to talk about people that are not in the U.S. because our I policies. Don't, I don't think so at all. I think our those policies people, are not going to be directed at them. Disagree 100% because we are the ones who are, it's our companies that are forcing them to work in certain ways. It's our, the way we buy from them or don't buy from them. It's the money that we send to them or refuse to send to them that affects their lives. It absolutely, like our lives here absolutely affects the global economy. Okay. Sure, 100%. Okay. But they are not even people with constitutional given rights. Well, I mean, they, they, they have God given rights. I, they, I see. I see what you're saying, but like kids are starving overseas because of our policies here. 10,000 people a day die because they lack basic health care. I don't, I don't, I don't know that you can really, uh, slam dunk. Yeah, you can't, uh, uh, you can't just, Uh, I I for sure can. I mean, you can. can. Well, we'll get into this part of it, but what I'm saying is what we do here affects other people, other, other places. Can we agree? But our policy is not designed to take care of other countries. They have their own government. Okay. When you say say it's the fault of our policies, that's, I mean, I I don't agree with that. We we have foreign policy, but it's not our responsibility to take care of all these other countries. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't do anything to help them, but I am saying that it's not our our responsibility, and it, it really can't be laying at our feet. If, if you're yelling a whole lot there, guys. Not fairly. I'm, I've been trying to talk for a little bit here, and you're yelling a whole but lot. You've been talking for a little bit. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, what I'm saying is I'm responding to what you said, and I think I resent the idea that you think that our economy in America doesn't affect the global economy. Didn't say bullshit. Didn't say that. What I said is our the way we the way we conduct our economy here affects people other places. So that means that we owe them something because of that. That's where I disagree with you. And you can. You're allowed to do that. That's part of what this conversation is about. It's happened. They they don't even necessarily have like constitutionally given rights. I mean so so when you say like um, you know, that, that we are responsible to them or that we owe something to them. Like maybe if there was a one world government, but not, I mean, if, if they're not. You think I'm talking about, citizens. like, you think I'm talking about legality here? Like you think that's my beef with billionaires? Is there like, yes, like they're, 
they're breaking the law a lot, but also it doesn't matter if they break the law because they can pay politicians to change the law however they want it to be. So I think, it's my, my, my beef around, is not legal. I think universally, I think around the world, for better or worse, and you can make your own judgment about whether this is a, a great thing or a terrible thing. It probably is a terrible thing. But you have a lot less empathy right now for somebody who lives on the other side of the globe than you do for your next door neighbor, than you do for your cousin, than you do for your sister, than you do for your mom. It's. I think that's true of a lot of people. Yes, and I think I, that's I think that's almost up. universal. That's and, it's super fucked up. And the well, problem is like we're the one causing a lot of that those problems in other places. The, uh, agree to disagree on that point. Like and, I, I and don't necessarily think that that's that we are causing the sort of widespread suffering around the world that you imagine. I think that there are well, some not, ways not, to make uh, life better around the world. It's not us. It's not us. It's billionaires. It's 2,200 billionaires or 2,252 billionaires right now that live all over the planet. So my beef is not just with American billionaires, although that they're the closest billionaires to me. They're with 2,252 uh, people. So I can like I I see your guys's point, but I would so, like to get on to the next well, thing I wanted to push against, which was the idea that people wouldn't be just as motivated with nine hundred and ninety nine million dollars as they would be with one hundred billion dollars. I don't think there's 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 no statistics that you can show me that anybody knows about that can show me the. Uh, rate of motivation to change society, to innovate, to whatever, based on the amount of money that people have. Well, to that point, I think it's a little bit weird that your opinion of that changes from 999 million, et cetera, to 1 billion. And I, and if I can concede one other thing real quick, I don't think like $1 billion isn't the magical number. I, do, I don't know exactly where it is. I think it's probably somewhere in between a billion and two billion, but I'm not like, I'm not going to die on the the billion dollar hill, you know, like I think there is a certain amount of money where it is unethical to have that. And I think like making the exact dollar amount is not really important to me. Unethical to have. Unethical. It is unethical to have a certain amount of money. Dude, that's. I, I, I just think I just think that that's pretty radical. I think that you're not going to find that many people that agree with that basic statement. So. Can I, can I ask you, can you, can I ask you, so let's say, uh, you're living in early America and you live in, uh, you live in the North, you live in the South, it doesn't matter. And you don't do anything to help out with slavery. Like, are you a good person? Like, if you, if you don't make any, if you don't make, I'm not saying that you're doing anything. I'm not even saying you have a slave. But what I'm saying is you live in a society that has slavery and you don't do anything to stop it. It, like it, it sounds maybe, like you're setting maybe, up a straw man. It sounds like you're building a straw man. I'm not setting up a straw man, man at all. What, I, what I'm setting up is, let's say you live in, let's say you live in 1940s America and you don't do anything about, about racism. What I'm saying is inaction can be unethical. Inaction can be unethical. On that basic point, can be. stated in that way, I do agree. Can be. Right. So Jeff Bezos in six hours makes enough to fix the water in Flint, Michigan. Good for him. 
Right. Is I that, mean, is, that is that ethical? Not to like it, it. That would be the equivalent of one of us having to pay a quarter to fix it. So, is it ethical for us if it costs you a quarter not to fix the water in Flint, Michigan? I would I, say what what's unethical is to tell me that I have to spend a quarter to do it. No one's telling you you have to. I'm I saying, mean, are so, you an ethical so if person? I don't, so if, you don't. So if I don't want to, I'm not going to. I mean, yeah, and you're an unethical person. No one says I, you have to, but if you don't do it, you're wow. Like, here's the thing. You're, you're throwing around this term ethical as though it's this universally, clearly well-defined and, like, agreed-upon thing. And it very... Wanna, really, like, you're going to get into it? It super is not. Oh, so yeah, we find it unethical. And that, okay, I get it. We, we, we can, we can get into it. I mean, what I'm saying is, like, I, I don't want to say you can be a good person because I think it's not good. I mean, I think if you if you live in a society where you know people are dying of all kinds of stuff, people are undereducated, people don't have clean drinking water. Like the the Flint thing is easy because we all know about it. It's uh, it's been in the media for years. We we all know about it. But pick whatever thing you want. These people could make huge huge strides toward it, towards it, and they don't. What they do is. They choose to give just enough to make it look like they are being philanthropic, so that way we leave them alone with their billions of dollars. They do this. They do this fake philanthropy, so that way we don't bother them and their billions of dollars, so they can do whatever the hell they want. What 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 I would rather get into because it's what I'm more interested in is sure. I would rather look at policy, look at the politicians that we're electing, like how. Should we be crafting policy and how are we falling short now? Right. Um, because sitting here and making moral judgments about people who like could have spent the equivalent of my quarter to fix a problem. I'm, I'm just not interested in sitting here and judging about that. I don't think that that's productive. Well, that's, I don't think, I don't think anybody's that's helped what our episode that. is about though. Like that's what we're, that's what we're talking about. Our billionaires, uh, like, are billionaires ethical in the way they live their lives? And, okay. I, right. and I, I don't really want to. I don't really want to engage on the the judgmental side of that. And I do, I don't agree with any part of that that they're that they're unethical for not doing something that they don't want to do. Yeah. Okay, then, then this is your chance to make that argument. Then, like, how are they ethical by not jumping in and helping with their billions of dollars that if they spent let's say 90% of it, it wouldn't change, it wouldn't change their lifestyle in any way, shape or form. Okay. Here, let me, let me make another hypothetical. And this is a hypothetical that is, that is very real and is going on right now. So if there is a problem in another part of the world, there are children starving or there's, you know, slave labor going on, or there's human trafficking and you as a privileged American have enough money to comfortably live and you have some leftover afterwards for entertainment or whatever, you know, that, that you're doing pretty well. You're already in the 95 or maybe even 99% of the world just by oh, having yeah. spendable income. So are you unethical for not donating everything that you have to go stop child sex trafficking in an, in a foreign country or, well, or an equivalent problem. 
Sure. I know. And I think that's, I think that's a reasonable question. But the thing is, the amount of money I need to live comfortably is, I mean, I, I don't know what that is, but, uh, I don't make that much. I, I don't, so, I don't so, make enough so to live comfortably yet. So, so you think that there's, you think that there's a difference in the quantity that you are getting? Do you think that there's a fundamental difference that changes the ethical responsibility between you and a billionaire? You think yeah, that that's separate? The difference you think is that, between, that number separates absolutely. you in this ethical question. I just and, don't. And, and should I should I say uh, I think the difference is somewhere in between that fifth step and 133 miles up. That that's where it lives. I'm. I think there is a, an inherent unethical nature in the way we we have our country, just compared to other people living in other countries. The average. The 50% of the world lives on less than $5 and 50 cents a day. Like that's, that's, and any part that I can do to help out with that, I will. But the way charity works is you go ahead and get your own taken care of. And then anything you have above that, that's how you help out. So what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is Jeff Bezos has his taken care of at step five and he has 133 miles of extra space to work with. You, you personally, I'm, Nathan, how much have you spent on, let's say, entertainment this year? I mean, that's an, that's an uncomfortable question, right? You don't necessarily want to answer that. I can tell you not a lot because just, you, don't, you don't have that much money. Well, so, so are you, are you unethical? Are you a bad person for not spending that to feed children that are in China? Sure. Yeah. Okay. I mean, well, I mean, yeah, I, like, I think it, you, doesn't, it doesn't matter what the one, it doesn't matter what the thing is. I mean, I can tell you, I've also given both my time and money to charity in that I, time. I, I think I think it's hard for you to say that one is fundamentally different because of the number than another. I I think no, I think it's accept- easy to do that because you need to have again. I I think I'm pretty solidly on the base, not quite up to step one yet. And I can tell you, I don't have a beef. With millionaires right now, maybe I will in the future, and I don't have a beef with Americans right now because we're not in the same ballpark as billionaires. This is what the whole part, first part of the episode was about. We're not living in the same universe as they are because they are several, what, 10,000 steps up, and I'm trying as hard as I got can to get to step one. I think it's I think not the same thing. at the bit to get into the uh, ethics. <laughs> did did Andy, you have you something, wanna... Andy? Oh, hi. Hi, Andy. <laughs> um, I mean, did we lose you for a minute? N- no, I-, I was trying to jump in, but y'all were going. Oh, that yeah. Was, that was surprisingly very argumentative about something you said you didn't want to be argumentative about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, I guess I do that just, sometimes. And I was just like, Pat, if you don't want to. Andy, for what it's worth. I'm going to let you riff for a little bit because I have some delicious looking green beans that Sarah brought me. So I'm going to mute my mic and eat some green beans while I listen to what you have to say. That sounds awesome. Um, no, I, so I, I, I'm there too. I, uh, same place as Pat really. There's, there, they aren't living in a different universe. In fact, they're living in the same country in the same universe and subject to the same set of laws. And I would say is subject to the same tax expectations, and so on and so forth. I have absolutely zero problem with someone having a billion dollars 
I have big, big problems with some of the things people do with those billion dollars. And one of my biggest problems is something that you mentioned and, and we're on the same page about it, affecting political, you know, having effect on the political system, warping the political system to continue favoring them over working class people and things like that. That that is wildly unethical. And I will I will fight right beside you on that hill. It, that should not happen. But. I don't, I can't see any, that's, I can't see any reason why that should then equate to they shouldn't have a billion dollars. You want to talk about just like how they are not helping out with, you know, help, maybe helping with coronavirus. A lot of very rich people are, but not all. In fact, Jeff Bezos has been super to his employees during this. And right. I'm and, not to get into that. That's fine. Uh, well, and can I just say real quick? Yeah, and super quick. Uh, Mike Bloomberg has, has been awfully quiet since he ended his campaign. He's got a lot of billions of dollars. He said he wanted to help Americans. Uh, he did. Where are you, Mike? I haven't, so, I haven't seen you anywhere. And like, here's the thing. So if 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 you want to rip them for that, that's fine. I don't care. You go right ahead. I'm not going to because I don't think that they have any. I, I think. They have an ethical, like, from my standpoint, and here's where I have a big problem with your, your crusade here against billionaires, because ethics, I, while not, uh, uh, how do you say, like, I'm not a monist here, okay? I don't think that there's some sort of, like, universal ethical code that, that everyone is, but also not a relativist purely either. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say, well, if they say it's if it's ethical to them, then it's okay. I think there are some moral absolute things, and then most, like 95, 98% of of these things are very much gray area. And I cannot sit here and say it's unethical for someone with a lot of money to not go help. Say, for example, it's not unethical for Bezos to help Flint, Michigan. I think. It would be super ethical for him to do it. And I guess I would say, I would hope that if I were in his position, I would do it. But I'm not going to sit here and talk about how I think someone else should be spending their money. This is not. But the, cool. So my, my problem with well, a lot of this stuff, and there's, sorry, I, I don't want to interrupt. I sounded like you came to a stopping point. Do you, do you have more stuff? No, I don't want to interrupt you. So just, just to give you like my, take on this stuff. I w- I've been trying to come up with like a, the best way to phrase it, but I found a quote uh, from this uh, reporter that works for Medium, uh, medium.com. Her name's uh, Lauren Martincheck. And let me just say this real quick. And then I know you guys are going to hate it, but this is like how I feel about it. <laughs> when it comes down to it, it takes a thief to become a millionaire. It requires theft of a worker's time theft of a worker's well-earned wages, and theft of a worker's productivity, not to mention the theft of mental and physical health that is such a common occurrence in today's economic system. Becoming a billionaire has nothing to do with the extolling the entrepreneur, but rather everything to do with exploiting the system in such a way that it allows you to get as much as you possibly can out of your workers as humanly possible while giving them as little as you can back in return, including, by the way, their tax money, which is often handed back to these billionaire employers in the form of tax breaks or subsidies. That isn't the free market. That's class warfare. And that's how I feel about billionaires. 
You want to go first, Pat? Um, well, you know, I mean, I mostly agree with that. I, I think that uh, corporate welfare is back to corporations. I don't think that that's great. I think that the way that you get to a million or a billion is you're probably not funneling that back into employees. But on the other side of the coin, I think that that's not accounting for just completely savant genius, people who are making a billion dollars because they've made a movie that nobody ever imagined before, or people who made a website that no one had ever imagined before. I don't... Michael Jordan, Oprah... I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't fundamentally agree that that's the only way that you get there. I think that that's a way that you can get there. I think that people are getting there with support from other people. But I would say that, you know, those employees chose to be there. I would say that those employees didn't unionize or decided that that was the best gig that was in town. They were all free to leave and they all chose to be there. And I mean, I guess you could make arguments about the ecosystem of jobs and the entirety of the market. I think it's a shame how, you know, wages have stagnated, but I, you know, it's at the end of the day, it's, a market that everybody was freely choosing to make those choices. So, yeah. So if, uh, if I, if I'll, can I, can I take over? Yeah, please. please. <laughs> so I actually, all right. I was surprised, but I, I, I kind of, uh, you, you led into that in a very misleading way, Pat. Uh, and I thought for a second that I was about to disagree with you. And then I ended up definitely, I'm agreeing with you because I do agree with a lot from that statement that say corporate welfare is not good corporate bailouts lobbyists and money money changing hands between these people these people who are CEOs getting high paying government jobs and vice versa like that's all a very bad thing i think that's a slam dunk i think i think we all sure. three of us agree right. very strongly that that is not the way things right. should be going but here, my big, my butt is that that doesn't make people who've been, that take advantage of that system to make a lot of money inherently unethical. Now they may still be unethical. In fact, many of them are. I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm not going to say that just having that much money makes you unethical though. I'll go up to the line where I'd say a lot, of, most of these people who have this much money are unethical. And not using it in a way that I would think are is ethical. Now, right. the whole pluralism, relativism stuff conversation aside, right? I, I don't say, really like, like the way that these people, many, most of these people spend and use their money. And I like to think if I had much money, I would do it differently. But mm-hmm. I'm not going to just say if, if you have that much money, then you are not ethical. I would only go so far as to say, hey. If you have that much money, you're probably not ethical. Right. And I think we're like, I didn't expect to change your guys' mind on this. Like that's no, not, for that's sure. not my goal here. And I will say that the point is just to prevent, kind of present all sides and really talk about it and, and give people more depth to their thought about this. 
And one one thing I was thinking about it, like, and where it gets hard is like, oh man, do I love Star Wars? Like, I have given George Lucas like more money than a lot of people. (laughs) Like, I give my entertainment buck to. Um, Right. And like, I have nothing against Oprah, you know. Like, I have nothing against Jerry Seinfeld. Like, they're J.K. Rowling. Like, these are people whose like entertainment I have consumed and enjoyed myself. And I think that's one reason why at the beginning of this I, I talked about like it like. There's a difference. I, cause I think when I started having this conversation with you guys, I was like, billionaires are bad people. Stop. End of sentence. Done. Oh, and that, like, right up until the start of this episode, that was your take. Well, no, I haven't talked like that in a while, partially because I've been thinking about this stuff with you guys. I mean, you've been tagging me with that for a while, but I think you, like, you made me think about it. And when I say unethical, I think that's my way of like conceding that, like, yeah, you can still like do nice things and things like that. But again, it is, it is hard when you talk about that quarter to say that not doing and the, like forget about Flint, Michigan. You know, it doesn't matter what the thing is, but giving it, giving a portion of your income. Like what I will say is like, here's an example. Bill Gates has, uh, and I think Warren Buffett has done, done two, a few different billionaires have done it where their plan is to give away 90% of their wealth before yeah. before they die. That's, I think that's, that's great. fantastic. And, There's a big distinction there because they are willingly choosing to do that. Yeah. Correct. And I still like and I'm not giving them a pass on this. I still think it's unethical for them to have that much money in the first place, but I, I like the like if I'm comparing them to other billionaires or how they choose to do it, like I think that's good. I think Bill Gates is really thoughtful in the way he has chosen to spend his money in terms of he has uh he had built like a standalone toilet for areas that don't have running um that don't have uh running septic systems don't have running plumbing and it will help so many different people around the world that's great i mean there's there's a lot of different stuff but it's a drop in the bucket as compared to what he has so do, do you like can i ask you- Go ahead. Can I ask you do you, do you like your computer? Do you like having an internet? Do you have you derived a lot of joy and has your Im- life improved from the invention of personal computers? And I would love it if I could get more programs on a Linux. That would <laughs> be awesome. It would be great if I weren't like forced uh, if I don't want to have a Mac into having a PC. Uh, try try Windows try Windows emulator on Linux. It's fantastic. But um, but even in, but in, even in any, that in any case, but even that my, is like there's a monopoly that based on the PC, and I'm not saying that I haven't derived pleasure from it. Like the fact that we have a the fact that we have a podcast, guys, is because like I'm running off a Windows 10 machine here, and I can go out and I get Audacity for free, and I can edit our uh, episodes afterwards. I think it would but, be hard to sit down and calculate the amount of value that Bill Gates personally has added to your life. I think, I think it would be really hard to sit down and put a dollar amount on that. Yeah. But like most of that is because I didn't have a choice. Like I used, I've used windows machines because I don't want to pay Mac prices. And I've used uh, like Microsoft office in the past. I've switched over to Google, but that's a whole other, like that's a whole other like billionaire company. Okay. Okay. I have a problem with, but I'm just saying like, like, 
for a lot of the time that I've used Windows machines or Microsoft Office or whatever it is, it's because there's literally been no other option. What's what's the dollar amount that you would put on the satisfaction and joy that you've gotten from entertainment like Star Wars? Like what what dollar amount would you put yeah, but, on so is that like are you are you looking for an actual number or are you just no, like, trying no, to ask I'm trying, it? I'm trying to ask a question that makes you think about it because sure. I mean I think that I, there is value that's been added that is not as concrete as a dollar in your bank account. I will tell you I got just as much enjoyment out of it uh if George Lucas had three hundred million dollars instead of six point two billion dollars. That is the exact amount of enjoyment I've gotten out of the Star Wars universe. Well, I mean, I just think it's something to think about while we're saying what a absolutely, bad but is. but I'm I'm trying to be very clear that I'm not calling all billionaires bad people. I'm I'm not. Okay. I've I've stepped away from that. I think that there is a more ethical way that each and every one of them could live their lives. The fact so, that you have a billion dollars means that you are not like looking at your fellow humans. Uh, lives and it means that you fundamentally don't like really give a shit about them so much. So if we can just really quickly kind of go through because there there have been a few points where we are all on the same page here. First yeah. and foremost, a billion dollars is a ton of money. Sure, we all all on the same Correct. page there. Agreed. Yeah. Um, second of all, having a billion dollars doesn't in and of itself make you an unethical person, but point C, most of these billionaires don't seem to really use their money in a way that we would necessarily like them to. I, I don't know that we did come to agreement on that. Okay. Uh, yeah, do, you, I would, do, you, do you want to take it? No, I still, I still believe that they're, so again, I don't want to get like I'm, attacked I'm into like an exact amount, but there's, there is a dollar amount around a billion dollars and probably well under it, but a billion dollars is sort of the easiest conversation for us to have because it's so, so far distant between the millionaires and the billionaires where you not fundamentally taking part of your time and looking to see how you can make other lives, other people's lives better. It's bad. It's not good. There's because I also think, and we haven't really gotten into this yet. It's stupid. Like, what's the point? Why, why do you need that much money? What are you going to do with it? Oh. And this is, this is the part where I sound like a communist, right? But what are you going to do with a billion dollars? What do you do with a hundred and fifty billion dollars? Ever. I don't think, are, uh, are we going to pause on I mean, that or are we going to plow through and talk about things that we agree on? Yeah. Well, I, I, I still think that we, I think we fundamentally agree that money being such a huge part of politics that the wedding between like lobbyists and Congress yeah. uh, is, is, is a problem. I think that, yep. that, that we could handle that better. And I think I, I would love it if we could get those two separated and that we just had our democracy that functions separately, you know, talk about right. camp and finance reform, talk about limiting terms on uh certain positions that have oh, unlimited terms uh maybe finance on, yeah de dealing with uh insider trading in congress which came up recently eliminating lobbying yeah, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I don't think that lobbying is 100 percent bad but i think it's mostly bad 
And I and I think that no like, that fix, that fixer right there would solve a lot of the problems. If oh like if billionaires couldn't influence the decisions of people in Congress, I mean that would make a like a huge way, a huge yeah. way towards making a difference. So my question for you, Nathan, is what do you think should be done about billionaires? I think so. We were talking about what my ideal is and what <laughs> and what is like reasonable. What like I think and I think the reasonable thing is like we need to like it needs not be taboo to talk about like how billionaires are affecting our society because they clearly are. You, but you can't talk about it. Like, or at least like politicians can't talk about it. So right. having that conversation, figuring out what like a reasonable level of taxes is because they're not paying it now. I personally think, uh, it needs to be crystal clear. Like there, there needs to not be any income that they're getting that is not clear to the government. And that might be where like we might have disagreements on that. I don't know, but. I think part of the I think problem that with billionaires. I, I don't have a problem with that. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm, with that. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much on board with you here so far. I would I think, add, I think you guys are like, like we have arguments, but our arguments, I think, are uh, we tend to be on the same page as like to what happens. You know, like it's when we get into like the different sort of philosophical, like ethical stuff that we like come after each other a little bit. Well, Real life kind of brings us down to earth. I would say, I, uh, with what you're talking about, like uh, get, making sure that they're paying a reasonable amount of taxes, uh, and and that you know the government is aware and stuff. And I would say, I I think they're somehow, and I don't know exactly how this happens, but if they are going to have overseas accounts, they need to be paying taxes on that. If they're, right. you know, I think no matter where they hold their money, it's subject to the taxes of their country. And I think that needs to somehow happen. I don't know how, but that, that the problem is that that's not really being regulated right now. Right. right. There's a big disincentive to coming in and busting that up. Yes. The the problem is like they have, they've had their fingers in the pie for so long that the pie is baked with billionaire fingers, like in it already. There's, There's, there's a definite advantage. And Andy sort of mentioned it earlier that it's goddamn expensive to be poor, isn't it? Like mm-hmm. the, the, the poor you are, the more money you have to spend in fees, the more money, like it, it's just expensive to be poor. Pro- problems um, compound. Like if you yeah. are uh, putting off medical treatment or dental treatment or something like that, that those pro- or even just getting your car fixed, those, those problems can compound because you haven't been, able to afford to get them regularly maintained. Yeah, it, it costs one month's salary now, or five months' salary five months from now. So right. this is and interesting. Do you guys know about the Panama Papers? Yes. So this came out a few years ago, and uh, the Panama Papers, for anyone that might not know, there are a bunch of offshore accounts that uh, wealthy billionaires and millionaires, a lot of them Americans, had been putting into banks in Panama in order to avoid taxes. And there was a leak that somebody with insider information uh, leaked a bunch of these documents with people's names on it. And before then, like this was sort of known, but not really talked about. And we didn't we didn't really have concrete evidence 
of this kind of stuff going on. And the names that came out of it, it was like, you know, really eye opening. So if you're interested at all, just a quick Google search of Panama Papers can tell you a lot of information about that. Mini fact check. To name a few of the people that appeared in the Panama Papers. Donald Trump, David Cameron, Vladimir Putin, Emma Watson, Stanley Kubrick, Simon Cowell, Jackie Chan, and there are many others. We'll go ahead and put a list to the entire leaked document in the doobly-doo. Mini fact check. But weirdly, it got suppressed in the media awfully fast. Right. So that's unfortunate. Then, no, but yeah, I mean, I, think, I do. I do think that we mostly agree. I think, and my perspective on it is, I think that we mostly agree in policy. I think where we disagree is a radical statement like "all X are bad people" or "it's unethical to own a certain dollar amount." And I, I think that at the end of the day, that's a distinction that doesn't even really matter. Well, but I think for me, it's about resource hoarding. It's about like, if you, if you know your neighbor is starving and you choose to hoard your wealth or hoard your wheat or hoard whatever, when you have excess beyond what you and your family need, that's, that's not great. That is, I think that's unethical. If you let your neighbor starve because you want to hold on to what you got. At a basic level, that is survival. That is propagation of your genes to another generation. I would point out that you right now could do more to help people on the other side of the globe. And if you were just bringing yourself to the level that everybody else is at, I mean, there are people who live on about the equivalent of five cents a day. Yeah. Uh, and I totally agree. Like, that's why so when you, you could, brought it up, you like, I agree. Like we, you like we as bring yourself, go ahead. I want to let you go. Well, I think, no, no, I, I, I was just going to say, like, I think it's, it's un it's unethical through inaction. Most of the time, like, especially with your, your lower level billionaires. I think there are definitely billionaires who are through their own actions being unethical in a bunch of different ways. But I think for me, I, that's one of the things I, I said earlier when you like asked, like, yeah, I think it's sort of inherently like we as Americans leave in, lead an inherently, uh, unethical life because not only do we not like try and help out other countries for the, for the most part, but we don't know shit about them. You know, yeah. like, it, just look at our media. Like we're not interested in hearing about anything outside the United States. That's basically I'm, I'm- what we hear about. I'm totally happy for you to have that opinion, and I am super glad that we have a platform where you can get that out. I just, <laughs> I don't, I don't necessarily know that I am going to go along with it, and I, mean, I, I have to make a distinction there that I'm, I'm not in agreement with that. I'm going to always push back when, when someone is essentially using their own ethical code to evaluate someone else. That's that always rubs me the wrong way. I, I was comparing it to like the guy who has too too much food. Like let's say you're trying to you're gonna get through the winter, your neighbor's family is starving, you have three times as much food as you need to survive the winter, and you don't help them. I think 
it, it may not be a an action that you're taking that's unethical, but it is unethical through inaction. Because if like spring rolls around and your neighbors are dead in their cabin and you could have stopped it, that's not great. Okay, but in in that exact same example, what if you have not one neighbor, but you have 20 neighbors? And if you happen to share your three-year supply of food through the winter with all 20 neighbors, guess what? Everyone is going to die. Sure, but it's not one of you. It's everybody in the community. So maybe there's 20 neighbors starving, but there's 200 people in your community, all of whom have three times as much as they need, or this guy has 1.2 as much as he needs, or whatever. You know, I, I, like, I, I think, I, I think you, you, you want to take care of your own family first, and I, I understand that, but billionaires are not taking care of their own family first, like, they've been taken care of 332.8 miles ago. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying, like, there's, the more you have, the less, like, the less cover you get ethically, for uh being like for not like acting. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm just fundamentally not here to like shame or judge people. I don't I don't think that that pursuit is particularly fruitful in any way. Or valid in any way. And well no, it's I mean for me, but it's it's part of what I was talking about at the beginning of the episode with my ideal world versus what we need to do. I don't like like Jeff Bezos doesn't give a shit if I think he's like unethical. It oh man, if Jeff Bezos is a fan of our podcast, that's going to be a huge deal. <laughs> well, it, that would be a fun interview, Andy. I get to conduct that interview if and when we get it. Oh no, we are not letting you conduct that. Interview. Oh, for sure. Jeff, it's about time. Glad you decided to enter the Thunderdome. Hello, Welcome to the <laughs> And then that's where I'd put a I'd put a musical sting under there. It is Jeff the new Gary? Uh, no, Jeff is Jeff Bezos. No, I know, but I mean, uh, no. Oh man, it, we would. I he is the exact kind of pervert who would be into coffee mugs, though. So real quick, if I want to uh, take a moment to uh, shout out our sponsor, Amazon. Oh, ah, <laughs> oh, oh, damn. And Microsoft. So brought to you by billionaires. Yeah, brought to you by billionaires. But no, I like so I actually have a few questions for you, and I think we sort of like covered most of them. Um, but I do have a like one question I have for you guys is you are both fundamentally distrustful of government. Like, can I get like do you think that is reasonable to say? I think it's very reasonable to be dis- fundamentally distrustful of government. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Statement. Yeah, but, but you guys both seem to trust billionaires that they have your best interests at heart, or they that they way? don't have the worst interests of the country at heart. In what way? Mm-hmm. I don't. The, I don't like, agree with we just that. spent like we just spent like two hours talking about it. I, Did I, I agree? I agree that they should have rights to decide on their own what their own best interest is regardless of what the best interest of anyone else is. Like, I believe that in this country that we have freedom to decide that ourselves. And if the best service of the country is not served, like, I mean, in a time of war, that's different. You know, if there, if there was a, an order that was out that like, you know, these companies have to produce 
a bunch of steel because we need them for tanks. I think or, that's I a mean, unique. I think that's or, a unique situation. That's but a I funny analogy general, because like just replace tank uh, steel with like face masks or scrubs that's, that's or respirators. Right, right. No, but I mean, I think generally people have the freedom to to pursue their own radical interest that is independent of what I think or what anybody else thinks is in the interest of the country. So do I trust billionaires to have the best interests of myself and others at heart when they make decisions about their own money? Like, no, I don't, I don't agree with that statement. I think they should do what they want with. Yeah. Um, do, do I, do I trust billionaires to have the best interests of the people at heart and not even remotely? Yeah. However, do I think that billionaires ought to have the interest of the best interest of the company or of the country rather at heart or the people at heart? No, not really. Not necessarily anyway. I mean, I think it's great if they do, but I think that they're just people like you and me and they have, as Pat says, a right to pursue and, and do what they want with their earnings. Pat said it earlier, but I think, you know, if you're talking about squashing unions so that the, you you don't pay your workers a fair wage. I think that's bullshit. That's not great. But that's pretty like, much universal among American businesses right now. Uh, yeah, that's, that's not great. Amazon, that's too Amazon bad. Does it, Walmart does it. Target does like they all do. No, I know. I, I think it would be better if we weren't doing that. It's but, it's okay. not. I agree there, but but I absolutely wouldn't in, uh, ever agree. That I think billionaires have the best interests of the people at heart, not at all. I, I'm actually kind of curious like, because because you doubled down on it there, and I'm kind of curious what you think I said in the last hour and a half that made you think that I would agree with that. Because I, I think wanna, you guys, uh, you guys, and to, to give you an idea of where I'm coming from, I think you guys, in my experience, tend to defend these guys a lot, and I get where you're coming from now. Like I appreciate you answering the question, and I don't think. Like on the on this hat, like on this end of the question, I wouldn't have phrased it the same way as I did before. I think it, that totally makes sense. It's because, again, like we talked about before, it's about personal freedom. And from my perspective, the reason why these guys owe something to us and the world and their workers and everything is because they've earned those billions, from my perspective, on the back of their workers and on the back of poor Americans and just like uh, the American infrastructure they have to work with in the first place or the education system or whatever it is, they, they owe something back when they hit it big. And that like, I think that's the way it has to work because they got big in the first place because they were part of an America that made that possible in the first place. I think that's mostly a fair characterization. I think that you are mostly correct that the infrastructure is in place and that workers are being exploited. I think the distinction that I draw is who's responsible for that. And I don't, I don't think it's particularly the billionaires that are responsible for that. I think it's society and I think it's the government that's responsible for making sure that the rules apply to everyone. Yeah. And absolutely. And I think for the most part, like we're in a bad place now, but that bad place came from what you're talking about. I think it's a, like we have a fundamentally corrupt system that let this happen in the first place so so Uh, how so let me turn the question back on you how could you trust the government so much when when you've repeatedly seen all of the problems that can come from like big centralized federal power 
Well, I think, I mean, certainly from the conversations we've had, I'm not like a hundred percent government bro, but what I do is I respect groups of people more than I respect the individual. Or I'd like, I, I, I should say I trust groups of people more than I trust an individual because there are more chances for leaks. There's more chances for, uh, indecision or, uh, like not everybody's going to be on the same page. So it's going to be harder for them to make corrupt decisions. It's mostly oh, like, man. like briefly, I just want to say like, I do not trust groups of people at all. <laughs> like, I, 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 but if, what you have just said, <laughs> didn't, this is what we were talking about on our episode with Angela. Like it's the, a uh, group of elders versus the one guy as your new form of government on the island, right? Sure, the, yeah. The group of people is more likely to make a good decision than the one guy is. Mini fact check. Hello, dear listener. That statement might not make a whole lot of sense because in retrospect, what I'm referencing there is a question that we had on our lightning round episode The problem is that part of the conversation wasn't actually recorded, so it didn't make it onto the episode. So just to give you a little bit of context, Angela asked a question. The question was, if you're stuck on a desert island with, I believe it was 100 people, and had to form a new form of government, what would it look like? And I think all of us agreed a group of people running the group would make more sense than an individual. And that's it. Sorry about that. Mini fact check. Mm, I mean, not if the one guy is me. <laughs> um, I want to go so, back to your, yeah. your question there, and you said that um, before we get too far away from it, you said yeah. that they they fundamentally or they 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 owe something back to those workers and stuff that they that helped well, them get money, right. And right. so, what they owe is their fair share of taxes. Period. End of story. So like, this actually more than just their taxes. I think you're going to keep on rolling, but can I ask you my next question and then just have you keep on talking about what you're talking about? My next question was going to be, do you guys think that businesses owe anything in terms of a minimally acceptable lifestyle or profit sharing to their employees? And I think I, I don't think profit sharing is the right word, but like you think employees should make more if the company is doing better. Um, I think this is where. I think unions are important. Um, I think because right now, you know, you, you, we, we talk about, and, and Pat and I are kind of on the same page about this based on what he said earlier. Um, I think, you know, listen, people are working for Amazon for what Amazon is paying, which is $15 an hour, by the way, twice, almost twice what he could pay them. Um, right. and, and can like, I, can I just say about that though? They used to make, they did used to get profit sharing and that was taken away. When they got $15 an hour. So a lot of them actually make less now but, but than they did before they made the choice. I think, um, if, if the people, if people are willing to work for that, and I mean truly willing, not feeling like they don't have any other option we, willing, which now we're getting into that whole Sartre and Camus kind of discussion, right? Of, <laughs> but, um, and, and for the listeners, go back and listen to that episode. It's, it's a big deal here. But, we should um, call that we should call that episode the day that music died. Oh, <laughs> uh, missed opportunity. So, so, so the point here is, um, I think 
you know, if, if there, if workers should always be allowed, in fact, almost forced to unionize, I think not forced. I should, I, let me walk that right Required. back. I never said that. Um, <laughs> but, they should always have the option to unionize. Yeah. yeah. They should always have that option. That should be an easy, just, would you like to be a part of the union or not for whatever job you work for in any industry? Because I think that's where, you know, the, Minimum wage should be tied to the poverty line. You should be able to, you know, the minimum wage, I think, should just be a, a tied directly to that so that you can work 40 hours. If you, you should be able to work a full-time job and make ends meet, not live lavishly at all. Certainly, I'm sure we are all okay with that. But um, you should be able to make ends meet, not worry about where whether you're going to have food on the table if you're working a full-time job. However, better. It would be or, It would be nice if it was more. It would be nice if it was more, but that's the point where, you know, and now we're... People, people shouldn't be, like, working more than 40 hours and, and not able to pay rent. Exactly. So there's that, okay? But but here's the thing. I do think that when, you know, you look at, say, Amazon and they're treated like shit, even if they are making $15 an hour, um, it's clearly not, like, a great place to work. So... I would say the real problem here is that these people are not able to unionize and fight for good, better working conditions. Jeff Bezos can do this because they don't have, what are they going to do? Essentially. Right. There's an argument that um, there are anti-union and union busting laws that are being neglected or, or absolutely broken in a lot of these cases. Mm. There, there are, anti-union practices that are in place that nobody's really prosecuting about but are technically against the law. Absolutely. And, and we, we have just accepted this because there is a glut of available workforce that we have more than enough people that we can't even employ all of them and the market has allowed these laws to just sort of get swept under the rug. Nobody really talks about them. I think that's a problem. I think that we yeah. should try to fix that problem. But I think what's important to enforce from a policy standpoint is enforcing the worker's ability to, to negotiate and get fair, you know, a safe workplace and fair pay and those sorts of things. But on the flip side, whatever they agree on, they should be good with, and it can change, you know, you renegotiate and stuff. But if you agree to work a job, you agree to work to do these tasks and get paid this, then that, then you've agreed to do that. So what can, I, can I get, can I get can that I, question restated, please? Yeah. Can you reread yeah, the question? Sure. So the question was, do you think businesses owe anything in terms of minimally accepted lifestyle or profit sharing to their employees? Okay. And yeah. I would say like, and if I could just say like, I think OSHA takes care of a lot of this, but like safety standards too, you know, like yeah. making sure they're not going to get so, hurt so on the can, job. So can I, can I jump in? Well, so, let me wrap up then and just answer the question and then turn the mic sure. over. So yeah, basically, no, I don't think that they owe the workers anything more than what they and the workers agree on, but the workers need to have a valid, you know, that, that union option to, uh, to have legs to stand on in that on the, at the negotiating table. Okay. So, so I would say first of all, yes, and that we we have laws about that, and it's called the minimum wage, and that that's that's a thing that already exists. 
but to to the point about um if the company's doing well do they owe something back i think it would be swell it would be super swell if they would and i don't think that they are entitled to i don't think that they have to i think ideally we would have a marketplace that would make a company that doesn't lose their good quality workers to a better company. I think there are, ideally there would be forces in place that would incentivize companies to do that, to keep a happy, productive, and uh, innovating workforce, the, the kind of workforce that, you know, really wants the company to succeed. I think that that should be baked into a company's ideals in order to be successful. Do I think that they're owed something? I mean, that's kind of a sticky question, but I think at the end of the day, no. I, I, I would rather that they did that voluntarily. I would like, can I say maybe something along the lines of, I would like them to feel like they owe those people that something, but I don't think that they objectively do. Right. I, okay. That's that's pretty much where I'm at. Right. Okay. Uh, last question. I, you guys kind of dodged this a few times uh, in terms of uh, you don't want to tell somebody how to uh, else how to do this. But let's say you were in this position. Um. Why? Why? What could you do? What would you guys do? With a hundred and let's say twenty billion dollars, how the I looked it up. The average the average American family spends about four million dollars over the course of their lifetime. So after let's say you wanted them to have like super cushy lifestyles, after about forty million, you've covered at least two generations of your family. Uh, what are you guys gonna do with a billion dollars? Or multi multi billion dollars. I think billion dollars is too easy. Let's say twenty billion dollars and go. Well, for one thing, if I'm Elon Musk and I think it's pretty neat to get people to Mars, or essential to our survival as a species, you know, as a futurist looking at the existence of humans four hundred or four thousand or four million years in the future. Right. I might think I might think it's super neat for us to make steps towards being a spacefaring civilization. So, I mean, that is just one, one example. That's just one example say, of a thing that I think that I could do with it. And he like it's fun because like yeah, we need to we need to have an Elon episode. It's interesting that he became a billionaire because of those goals, not in spite of them, you know? Right. Maybe. Um but yeah. Oh, sorry. Matt, more? Well, I was just going to say, furthermore, I mean, I, I don't think that, uh, there is an amount that is too much that would, you know, ensure the propagation of my genes over the long, you know, if, if I'm looking at it like from an evolutionary standpoint and, uh, 20 billion or 120 billion dollars, um, you know, ensures the, comfort and dominance of my lineage for my children and my children's children and their children and onward and onward. If I think that that puts us in 
a good position for the rest of existence um you know what why is there a line in the sand that's drawn at like a certain amount of money that that's too much you know maybe maybe i don't think it's enough yeah all right well i guess first thing i would do is pay off my debt (laughs) all right so now you have 99.9999999999 percent left yes do with it Probably go get a new car. <laughs> I think like a nice meal out would be good. Ooh, dude. So, we, so wait, I mean, I don't really nice bottle of wine. I don't want to quash your answer, but I think Andy, maybe what he's looking for is like, what do you think you could do with it that would better humanity or even just better your own just, position? Like, yeah, fine. But like, I'm just talking about functionally, like how, like. I think Pat, you you came oh. up with a good thing. Like, I want to make us into a uh, like a dual planetary uh, species. Like, that's a good way to spend several billion dollars, a hundred billion dollars, whatever. I think that's a good goal. Uh, but something short of that. Should I so, not have the right to do that though? You know, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Personally, I, I, similar, right? I would I would invest it where my 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 passions are. That's education. So I would be spent. I would I would want to take it and try to make the world better, fix the world, um, especially with education. Um, I've always had a, and this is not nothing with like twenty billion dollars. Just if I were like super rich, generally rich, you know. But I've right. always had kind of like vision dream of like buying up inner like inner city property that's real shitty and fixing it all up and letting those people live there, continue to live there after I fix it up. And yeah, this is what Angela and I were talking about the other day. Absolutely. Like, yeah, you know, like it's a commune. You, you, you create a community in that, in that apartment building and it's, you know, they keep it up and they keep it running and I would roll it back to them, you know, and like, I want, I would use it to try to empower communities. I think is, is what I'm getting at. Um, people who what? don't have access to resources that they need and I would, Try my, but I'm now, I say that, but I would also be doing that from a mansion. You better believe it. This, this might be kind of cynical, but what if, what if they turn around and trash the place? I mean, you know, I don't, like, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I would deal with that. Right. Yeah. Like you, you put in like generally, rules that you need to be able to live in this place. And if you break the rules, yeah. See you know? I generally believe that people want a nice place to live where they have a sense of community and a sense of pride in where they live. I don't think that people trash buildings because they prefer it that way. Right. And what I will say is what you've done is created a good way to spend millions of dollars. When you're talking about billions of dollars, what you do is you'd form like a corporation that would do that in every city around the planet. Well, he could, he, he could also make the education system more lucrative to, um, you know, higher paying jobs for teachers. Yeah. You know, what was interesting that I read while I was uh, uh, creating this. Like one of the things that um, it's estimated is so women around the world uh, are involved in child care, like not just in our country, every country. And obviously, like we, we have a more progressive notion of it here and men do like are involved in this and everything. But the thing that I thought was interesting is women around the world. Anybody want to take a guess what their um, annual contribution is to um, the it, with the free labor they put in for the childcare they do 
the estimation of how much that labor is worth every year? It would be hard to put a number on that because we would literally die off as a species without it. Right. So I guess all the money? <laughs> it's trillions. It's something like $10.2 trillion. Hey, that's a little bit more on the national debt level. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's really interesting. And that's that was one of the things that um, at least – and if you guys want, I'm going to put a link to some of the more interesting stuff. Uh, I know we – like have some disagreements, but Oxfam is such an amazing organization. Um, they deal with like abject poverty around the, around the world. I'm going to go ahead and throw some of their information. Sound like a bunch of scumbags. If I can, if I can actually kind of maybe a little bit work against what I've been saying this whole time. Um, just something that kind of bugs me anyway, I guess. Um, the argument about, um, that, that, it would it would curb innovation has never really sat that well with me um first of all i think yeah probably a little bit to a certain extent like once you get there if you can't get any further why keep going but um i think i agree with nathan about um you know i think listen a uh, hundred million dollars is plenty of is, is sufficient motivation to try and innovate so uh, I've, I've never really i always felt like that was kind of a weak argument um and there was another one which is and not weak i shouldn't say weak just because it's true it's it's true that it would somewhat hinder innovation i just don't think by a lot um i'll i'll, I'll accept that that's not the strongest argument yeah right. I, I, I think it's true but i just don't think it really is that big of a deal because it's directly linked to what you're saying, uh, there's a tweet that I saw this week that I loved. It's uh, this guy on Twitter named uh, Mikel Gillette, and he said, how about this? No more billionaires, none. After you reach $999 million, every red cent goes to schools and healthcare. You get a trophy that says, I won capitalism, and we name a dog park after you. <laughs> I've seen that. I think it's pretty good. I also mm-hmm. saw another tweet this week that I liked that uh, – Capitalism should work like Mario Kart does, where if you're in last place, you should get the most powerful power-ups, and if you're <laughs> in first place, you just get like banana peels, and like, right. so, like of course we should blue shell those assholes or whatever. Yeah. Right. And the top comment was, "You just described a progressive tax system. Good job." <laughs> yes. Well, and and that's I think you know we we've been on the same page about a lot of things, but just except for kind of. Well, actually, we've been even in sync about what to do about billionaires, I think. Can I a stat? Something interesting. There are more billionaires per capita in Sweden and Norway than the U.S. And the reason I bring that up is not only is, is to point out that Those bastards. American, the American economic system is not really capitalism. It hasn't been for about 50 years. It has oh. been steadily leaning towards socialism, but a socialism that favors big business and and the already wealthy, the, right. the and political elites, and, and a certain group of people. And this is, you know, this is pretty well documented. You can go and look at all the different laws and tax bills and things that have been passed and see very clearly how they favor that. The American system, I call it, or the term I like is corporatism. 
And I think it's an important distinction. And I think it's, it's not any clearer than this suppose these supposedly like socialist countries have more billionaires per capita than America. Yep. American, this is not capitalism. I, you know, whatever. Cap- a well-regulated capitalist system favors the workers, favors the lower and middle classes, puts money in the hands of the people who are going to spend it. If, if I can, if I can just carry that flag and continue with it, I, I don't think it's great to be, uh, you know, giving corporate welfare. I don't think it's great to, um, have corporations that say like, oh, we will go under without a bailout or, you know, that we need, we need tax incentives to survive. Like, first of all, you don't. And, and, and they, second of and all, they expected, even if, like they expected working families to have three months of working capital saved up, but they couldn't handle it for like a week or two. Well, and and furthermore, if if that happens to be true, then survival of the fittest. You know, I mean, you shouldn't if, if you can't survive without that, then maybe you shouldn't survive as a company at all. And And maybe we should look at how much you are actually paying your your CEO, you know. Pat, we are vibing so hard right now. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I pretty much cool. agree with that. I think that's, I, I, like, I appreciate you guys having this conversation with me. I know, like, I, like, at the end of the day, like, I think we're 99% on the same page in terms of, like, functional changes. And it's, like, when we get into that, like, higher level, like, philosophical, like, that guy's a son of a, like, conversation. So, yeah, no, I agree. I think that's what makes it fun is because, um, and, and what makes, I think, maybe our podcast a little more interesting than other ones is that we can come from radically different philosophical viewpoints and still arrive at a fairly unified, pragmatic approach to fi- to what ails the world and, and how to fix it. Right. So, so to go to my basic sort of like belief system, I mean, there is an idea in Christianity that, you know, it is harder for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. That is, I'm, I'm that laughing is true. Pat, because I all, like, I almost like used that quote at the beginning of the episode, but I was like, uh, I like, I don't want Pat to take it the wrong way that I'm no, like, trying to like, that, that's real. I mean, that's legitimately in the scripture, but well, it's also, but you know, in, go ahead. It's also in the scripture that um, you know, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And, and the meaning of that is really, you know, it, it's up to God to judge people in that way. It's really not your job to go around judging people like that. And it's actually, it's a sinful thing to do to go around judging people, uh, you know, without walking a mile in their shoes, you know. So the, the other fun thing that I wanted to bring up about uh, the uh, eye of the needle quote is mm-hmm. that the eye of the needle is it's a good a good passage all on its own. But the eye of the needle is an actual place. It was a, a main gate in Jerusalem that you had to pass through to get to the marketplace. And it was small. It was tiny. So they had mm-hmm. to unload camels and have them basically come in on their knees to get oh. through this gateway. And wow, so, so the idea was it has a double meaning, which is crazy. Yeah. The idea is if you overpack your camel, you rich asshole, 
it's going to be really hard for you to get through the eye of the needle. So I just like I always think that's an interesting part. And uh, any day I can school Pat on the Bible is a good well, day hey. in my book. <laughs> well, I learned something today. I'm not even mad at you because I'm I'm just happy to have learned something I didn't know before. So good job. <laughs> but no, I mean I I think fundamentally. Yeah, it still holds the same weight, I think. Like, it still means the same thing. I just thought it's interesting. I think, I think fundamentally, you know, the idea that it's, it's all going to get reckoned in the end, and it's not my responsibility to go around judging people like that. I, I pretty much hold that to be true. I think that there is a legal way to be going about things and making sure that they are legal. And if there are crimes that we are prosecuting, crimes and making sure that everything is done to the letter of the law i think when you walk around and say like you know this is not moral or this is unethical you don't necessarily know that person's story and i i am very hesitant to pass judgment on people in that way and so from a secular standpoint i feel the same way and and it really it also come it also it has a lot to do with my opinions of of, of what a government is for and and what it's not for um and one thing that i think it's not for is regulating ethics yeah mandating morality i think we've had a lot of problems when people have tried to mm-hmm. mandate morality and i think that that's caused more suffering than any good that it's done Agreed. And so that's where, you know, I think especially when you start talking about policy options rather than just sort of, is this ethical? Like, uh, look, gray, er, shades of gray. I I think there are ethical ways that you can still be a billionaire and be a very ethical person and maybe, re, you know, I, I don't know. Um, but so. Right. No, I mean, I think you'd absolutely live your life. Why, but the, I think the nature of being for me, the nature of being an ethical person would have stopped you from getting to that billion dollar billion dollars in the first place. And so my my thing is that that and this is why it's not okay to regulate and legislate is because that's your ethics and that's great for you and I I support that and I even I like to think that I would do the same that I would would never let myself have store up that much money because I'd be doling it out trying to do things with it. Ah, screw you guys. I'm I'm definitely keeping my 120 billion dollars, and that is fine. <laughs> well, I'm you gonna have right. a hard well, time passing through the eye of a needle. But. As long as you invite me to the party, I'm definitely I'm please. gonna uh, definitely call this episode "License to Bill You Know." Uh, <laughs> all right, nice. So, why don't we go ahead? I think uh, this is good. I want to thank you guys again, but I think it's time for a little Precious Moments action. Sure. I think so. Precious Moments. Anybody got something in mind? Uh, I did, I did. Now I have to remember what it was. Those cinnamon rolls were real good. The the cinnamon rolls? That Sarah made that I referenced earlier in the episode. Oh, okay. Um, my my knife is still sharp. Uh, that's good. Um, I watched some more uh, Hundred Humans on Netflix. Uh, Little Dicky is still good. Uh, Chappelle's still funny. I've been doing a lot. I spent a lot of time in my house, guys. Uh, I believe it. Um, 
I think something that uh, I can talk a little bit about for as a precious moment. Um, we too have been watching a lot of a lot of movies and stuff in in our uh, semi quarantine, and it's been a lot of fun. But I just watched a new one that Caitlin picked out, and uh, it was called Sideways, and I had not seen it before. Yeah. Um, but I friggin' loved it. It was great. If well, you guys love, anybody brings the line to this table, morose. I will get love, up and leave. I am not drinking Merlot. Yeah. <laughs> I, love, I love Thomas Ch- Hayden Church. Everything he's ever done. I love yeah, Thomas he's brilliant. Ooh, and he's such a strong body is good. Like, yeah, it's so good. Um, it's been years since I've seen that movie. It was, it was really good. I was I was really glad I, I saw it. And, you know, a lot of the movies that I've picked out while we've been stuck here are ones that like ones that I love and I wanted to, I finally have an opportunity to kind of like share some of my all-time favorite movies with Caitlin that she doesn't know yet and stuff but um I think I'm kind of approaching that tipping point where it's going to be more exploring new movies and that's really exciting nice I think uh you guys since we're doing mini eps uh recently you guys should carve out 20 minutes or half an hour tomorrow and do your I Heart Huckabees uh review and we can throw I'm, that up. Yeah, I'm down. That's that sounds awesome. Yeah, totally. So. Um, so uh, I mean, this is probably the least significant uh, precious moments that I ever have done or will do. But um, there was a meme that I came across that I liked this <laughs> week. It's it's got two crabs, and I'll share it with you guys. It's got two crabs in the picture, and one of the crabs is destroying the other one with eye lasers. And it's a silence liberal, and it really made me crack up. <laughs> you hmm. should, uh, if you send that to me, I'll get it on uh, Imager and uh, put a link in the doobly do. So oh uh, yeah. Speaking of, I have a few articles uh, to to put on the show notes for this episode. Yeah, just go ahead and send them to me. We'll get them out to everybody. This cool. that's not good radio, FYI, but I <laughs> appreciate it. I'm trying to think if there's anything like. So if there's anything. Oh. I will say, okay, the the thing that made me laugh, I absolutely love it when uh, my wife Sarah laughs. Uh, it happens so infrequently now because she has become completely immune to my sense of humor. Um, <laughs> but uh, oh, okay, this is a double a double thing. But um, first of all, uh, she <laughs> came across a meme that she literally laughed at for five minutes. She couldn't like she couldn't keep her like keep her breath. She was laughing so hard. And uh, she fogged up her glasses because yeah. she was like putting her hands over her face and fogged them up. And it was just like, <laughs> like still on the roll, a roll of toilet paper that was almost completely uh, taken apart. But there's just like a little bit of paper left on it. And the meme just said plenty of meat left on that bone. And <laughs> she, uh, she died. She died. She died inside. And yeah. there's like a few things in this world I love more than watching my wife laugh. And the other, pre- uh, like oh. the other thing that I love this week, uh, Tiger King. Anybody watch Tiger King yet? Absolutely. not. So it came across my uh, my radar, I suppose, and uh, I just was like looking at reviews for it and stuff, and it sounds wild, and I I don't know that I will like it. No, you you, you just gotta just do it. It is gonna like it's one of uh. those things where like. Your your jaw is gonna hit the floor, and then it's gonna break through to like your neighbor's neighbor and underneath you's apartment, 
And by the end of the last episode, it'll just be like through like the sub subsurface of the earth. It'll be like leaning on the core. It's like, it is, I can't even describe it. I don't want to even try. It is Cause it's, cause it's like drama. It's, it's, it's like essentially like high school drama with tigers. Uh, no, no, no. I mean, I, again, I don't like, just do me a favor. Watch two episodes, two episodes. <sighs> and, uh, if you want to watch right. any more after that, that's up to you. But, uh, it's wild. It's, it's so wild. All right. Uh, so hard pass, but, um, so Pat and I will be doing <laughs> our review of Tiger King next week. There you go. But I do, before we, um, before we sign off, I do want to just take a minute to, to talk directly to the listeners here and, and let you know that, uh, we are so unbelievably appreciative and grateful that you guys are listening to our, our content and that you seem to like it. Um, and I want, I would love to invite you to take it one step further and kind of engage with us a little bit on Facebook or on Reddit or on Twitter. Let us know what you think about our episodes. Let us know if you agree with us or not. Absolutely. We, it's, we want to interact with this in sort of a, to connect with you guys. I feel like we're doing good stuff here, but we're sort of doing it in a little bit of a vacuum now. Like it's like me turning to Sarah and like, Hey, did you think that was funny? What'd you do? Like, what are you, like and the other answer is always no, but unless it's a meme about toilet paper. Or right. so, so Nathan, in, in effects after, after the show, can we get just a little round of applause for the fans? Because they are awesome. And I'm overwhelmed that like we have a fan in Alaska, you know, we have fans. Um, I've just been really overwhelmed by the fact that we have any fans. So. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank, thank you, guys. And if you want to know, uh, you can go to beatusdeadsource.com, and at the bottom there's links to all our various social media stuff. But it's not really getting used yet. Like, I'd love to chat with some people on uh, Reddit, for example. It's reddit.com slash r slash source. Like, none of our stuff is hard to find. We're technically on Twitter now. If you engage with us, we'll be on Twitter way more. If you could leave us some reviews on iTunes or Spotify or whatever your like medium of choice is, like just Talk let us know how. Yeah, like, let us know how we're doing. It'd just be be great to get some feedback. Even if it's like you'd like to hear us talk about. Right. Please, please. We are so lonely. We're in quarantine. Something you'd like us to talk about less. About dying. Dying for human contact. So no, if you're if you're an expert or like say I would love to hear from a, a, a correctional officer and hear about what things are like inside of prisons or like yeah. please if you have something interesting to share with us in the world like hit us up. Yeah, I mean no guarantees cool. get on, but you know. Yeah, no. Uh, you know, like your it. your chances are really good now as opposed to when we have a million subscribers. True. Get in early. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good uh, place to wrap it up. Um, hey, good episode. As always, hey, as always, you two are my precious moment. Thanks for uh, doing this. Aww. Aww. Awesome. Likewise. Well, uh, and uh, I guess I need to come up with a catchphrase. Yeah, uh, I, I hope we gave you guys something to think about this week. Love you, bye. Try out the new catchphrase.
<laughs> you can just change it around, whatever you want. I like, I've, I've right. like talked to you about it before and you've been like, oh, you got a problem with it. So I like, I try not to talk to you about it anymore. Like, no, I, I don't want to make you feel like nervous or like self-conscious about it. 